It's up to us to let that convicting power have its way in our life that we might find ourselves back in the fellowship of God, back on the right side and the right standing with God. Hi, this is Pastor Jones from the Wesley Amazon Church. When you hear a message or receive a word, how do you respond to that message? What's your attitude toward that message? Well, today I want to share with you at least three ways how the message can impact our lives. Let's go into the text. A scripture text can be found in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. That's 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised a little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He but instead of killing his own like, like a baby dog flock or herd, one day he a took guest the poor man's left the home of the rich man. killed it. But instead of killing an animal from guests. his own flock or Amen. herd, he Ought took to the poor man's lamb from the and killed it and prepared it for his guest. Amen. I want to share today from the subject of when God sends a word, when God sends a word, let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for all that you have blessed us with. We ask now, God, that your Holy Spirit would lead, guide, and direct us. We pray, God, for your Holy Spirit to indwell each of us, unite our hearts and our minds together, Father. And we ask, Father, as always, that you pour into me, pour upon me, O God, a fresh anointing. Fill me afresh, O God, with your Holy Spirit's power. And we pray, God, that you would open our ears and help us to listen. Open our eyes, for we want to see Jesus. Then open our hearts that we might receive him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the blessed Holy Ghost. Amen. When God sends a word. When you think about life and you think about all of the things that we encounter in life sometimes, and, and we begin to think about the times that God has spoken into our lives. We think about the times that God has sent a word out of nowhere that that word began to touch our hearts and our minds and that that word had such an impact on us. I don't know about you, but I've been in services where I've I've been sitting in the pew and, and the preachers began to preach. And and as that preacher preaches, the word that comes forth from his mouth or her mouth begins to hit in my heart. It begins to hit me as if that word was directly for me. You know, I've been in situations, too, where I've been the preacher and I've, I've preached the word. I've only preached what God has prepared in my heart. And later on, someone comes up and says, you know, you were speaking directly to my situation. You were speaking directly. It's as if you were speaking directly to me. It's as if you knew what I was going through. Now, I'm thankful and grateful that that word was able to have that impact, but no time did I know that they were going through whatever they were going through. But God had just put it on my heart to prepare a message and to deliver the message that he had prepared. But there are times when God will send us a word and that word is intended to impact our lives. But as I began to read this 12th chapter, and this is a chapter that I'm becoming more familiar with because we have been dealing with some of this text in our men's Bible study. And we've also been uh, dealt with this, some of this text the other night, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago in our Bible study uh, where we were talking about uh, sexual assault. And, and we was dealing with the text of 2 Samuel chapter 13. 
but I'm looking at the text. And as I began to read and go back and look at chapter 11, I saw that in chapter 11, there were some sendings that were happening in chapter 11. Yeah, there were several sendings that happened. You had David sent Joab. You had David that sent to find out who Bathsheba was. And there was David who sent a messenger to get her. And Bathsheba sent a message to David to tell him that she was pregnant. And David sent word to Joab to bring Uriah home. And then Joab sent a, a battle report back to David, letting him know that Uriah was dead. And then David sent Bathsheba to a message to Bathsheba for her to come to him and to live in the palace where he married her and took her as his wife. There was a lot of sending. There was different people sending in chapter 11. But when we get to chapter 12, God does the sending. When we get to chapter 12, God sends Nathan to David. Yes, chapter 12 shows us what happens when God sends a word. The first thing that I see that happens when God sends a word is the word is sent to confront. Yes, when we look at what David did there in the previous chapters, we'll find that God has now sent a word to confront David. God has now sent a word to challenge David on the actions of his life. See, God sends Nathan to confront David over the unconfessed sins in his life. Put yourself in David's shoes. You've committed all of this sin. You've been living with a number of unconfessed sins in your life. You've been coveting. You've been committing adultery. You're lying. You, you had deception and murder. You've done all of this. And now Nathan comes with a word from the Lord. God has sent a word and the word has come to confront David over the sins that he has committed in his life. Haven't you been in that position before? Haven't we experienced that before when we found ourselves caught up in something and, and God sends a word and a word comes our way and that word confronts us? It's as if the word hits us right in the face with the things that we are going through or things that we are dealing with. And David has found himself for a year going through life as if nothing has happened, not dealing with the sins that he's found himself in. And God says it's time to confront David over the unconfessed sins of his life. And God sends Nathan to challenge David. God sends Nathan to tell David a story, a message about a parable, if you would, about a man who had one little ye lamb and about another rich man who had a multitude of flocks. Yes, this story is representative of what David did to Uriah the Hittite. David had many wives. David could have satisfied his needs with many uh, in one of the wives that he had. But David found himself in the wrong place when he should have been out to war. He found himself on the rooftop and he found himself on the rooftop now being exposed to desire. Yes, when he saw Bathsheba bathing, a desire rose up in David that committed a string of sins. Yes, as that desire rose up in David, he began to have one bad thought after another. And the problem is David acted on every bad thought that he had. Every time the bad thought would rise up in his mind, David acted on it. 
When the thought came to his mind that he desired Bathsheba, he sent to find out who she was. When the thought wouldn't go away, he sent to have her brought to him. And yes, once David had her, he went on about his business. But then he finds out she's pregnant. And yes, once he finds out she's pregnant, now David has a thought of covering up the fact that he's involved in the pregnancy. He follows through on it. And when he can't do that, David then thinks that the only way out of it is to kill Uriah. He followed through on it. Can't you see what's happening here? Every time David has a bad thought, every time David has a bad idea, he followed through on that bad idea. He followed through on the sin that came into his mind and to his heart. When Nathan confronts David, God has sent Nathan with that message, that story about the ewe lamb and the rich man. He sent that story to confront David and the sin that he was in. Yes, oftentimes God will send us a word to confront us. The word is there to confront us over the sins that we may find ourselves in. The word is there to confront us over the things and the issues we may find ourselves going through in our lives. There are times when God sends us this message, whether it's a written or spoken message. He has sent it to address the sins and the challenges of our lives. When we are willing to sin in our lives and, and act like nothing's happening, when we are willing to go through our lives in a sinful way and act like there are no consequences to our actions, that's when God will send us a word to confront us over the things that we are doing. And when God sends us that word, that word will come to challenge us and to see if we are in the right heart and the right mind when it comes to God. Because when that word comes to challenge us, when that word confronts us, it finds us coming face to face with God. And now that we found ourselves face to face with God, what will we do? There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. God has brought a word that confronts us directly. God has brought a word that will confront us face to face. And we've now got to deal with the thing that is in front of us. See, God initiates the confrontation by his word that causes David to refuse to deal with the stuff that he's had. Yes, David has refused to deal with the stuff that he's had. So God sends a word causing confrontation between David and the word. And when the word has come, the word is coming because it's a powerful and it's alive. The word is powerful and it's alive. When the word hits us, I don't know if you ever felt this before, but whenever that word of conviction hits you, that, that word confronts you, it feels like there's a power that's coming at you. It feels like there's a power that's being displayed at that moment that that word is coming forth. It's because the word has power. It's because the word is alive and active and it's able to cut asunder. Yes, the word is able to cut to the bone and the marrow. The word is able to, in other words, deal with the stuff that we're in. The word has been given to confront us. The word has been given to challenge us. The word has been given to get our minds and our hearts back in the right place. The question is, what will we do when we've been confronted by the word of God? So the first thing that we understand is the word is sent to confront us. The next thing that I want us to see and to understand is this. The word has been sent to convict us. Yes, the word is often also sent to bring conviction. When you think about David and you think about all that David is experienced and has gone through. And now Nathan shows up and he gives David the story. And as David hears this story, the words are intended to convict David in his heart over the unconfessed sin. But as David hears it, 
he immediately becomes indignant with anger. He, he immediately becomes very angry over what has transpired. And David says, the person who did this must die. And then he goes on to declare, and, and he must pay back fourfold what he has taken from the poor man. God used the word to convict David. It's at this point that Nathan expresses some very familiar words to David. He says, thou art the man. In other words, he said, David, it's you. You're the one who's stolen. You're the one who has caused all of this trouble. You're the one who has stolen the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. She was that young wee lamb that, that is in the story. She was that one. And if you go on in the story, you notice it says that uh, the, the poor man treated this lamb like it was one of his own dear children. And it, tread, and it, it treated it like it was his daughter. But if you go on and you look in that text in the Hebrew, that word daughter is translated as bath. Do you see the connection? Bath and Bathsheba. When you think about what David did, he committed the sin with Bathsheba. And Nathan tells David this story about how they took, this man took this one man's poor little lamb, the only thing that he had that he treated so carefully, that he treated with love, kindness, and care. And he said, now you've taken it from him and you've taken it for your own desires. And now that David has been hit with this story, the story is intended to convict David's heart. The story is intended to, to hit David where he needed to be hit the most in his heart. For a whole year, David has not dealt with the sins that he's committed. For a whole year, David has not dealt with the adultery, the murder, the deception and the lies. For a whole year, David has just gone through the motions as if nothing has happened. And now David is finding himself being confronted by God with a message from Nathan. He's been confronted and now conviction comes in. Yes, God is trying to convict David in his heart. But when the message hits David's heart, that conviction flooded in. And when the conviction flooded in, now David has to confront himself with the message of Nathan. Can you imagine yourself now that that word hits you? And as it begins to flood in and penetrate your heart, and as conviction begins to set in and you realize just like David did, that you're the one. When you realize just like David is, it's on you. When you realize just like David did, it's your fault. When you realize just like David is, it's now time to pay the price. When you realize like David, the conviction hits your heart and that conviction begins to work on you. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring conviction when we are in sin. The Holy Spirit's job is to, to bring that word of conviction when we find ourselves sinful, but not repenting of that sin. And that's where David has found himself in sin, but unrepentant in sin, but not confessing the sin that he's in. And it takes the message that Nathan sent to confront David and now to convict David in his heart. And as David begins to feel the convicting power of the message, he begins to realize that, yes, I am the man. I'm the one who's caused all of this pain. I'm the one who's caused all of this drama. I'm the one who's brought all of this about. Have you ever been in that experience where the word just convicted you and it convicted you over and over again until you were willing to act on it? Until you were willing to say, yes, Lord, I, I hear you, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'm wrong. Yes, Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. Yes, Lord. 
Have you been in that spot where you felt that conviction come so strong that you could not do anything but confess the sin that you're in and then ask God for forgiveness? The experience of the power of the Holy Spirit coming in and bringing that conviction, the experience of the and the power of the Holy Spirit showing us where we're wrong in life. When that power comes in, when the Holy Spirit shows up and bring that convicting power, it's up to us to let that convicting power do its work in our lives. It's up to us to let that convicting power have its way in our lives that we might find ourselves back in the fellowship of God, back on the right side and the right standing with God because we let conviction come in. But it's only after we've been confronted and then we allow the convicting power of God and the convicting power of the word of God to come into our lives. And as the Holy Spirit convicts us and we find ourselves responding to that conviction, we should find ourselves in a position of sorrow. We should find ourselves in a position of, of, of deep sorrow that we are so sorry that we did this thing against God. But if you go to Psalm 51, you'll find that David experienced that in that deep sorrow that he had. And notice when he said in Psalm 51, he confessed his sins, but he confessed that he had sinned before God. He expressed his deep sorrow over the sin that he has done and how it's broken the heart of God. And David asked God, restore me. Restore a right spirit within me. Cleanse me and wash me, O God. It's that moment that we understand that David understood what was happening, that conviction had come in to the life of David. And David was now in a position where he was ready to accept and deal with the sins that he had committed. But it only happened because God sent a word to confront him and a word that brings conviction. But not only do we need a word that confronts and a word that convicts, the Bible tells us and the story tells us that we also need the word that brings comfort. Yes, the word sent comfort. And when I think about what David experienced that day and, and when you think about the aftermath of it, God allowed David to experience comfort. When I think about this whole story and I think about how David has been living in a life of sin for a solid year without confessing. He's been going on with his life as if nothing is wrong. But then Nathan comes and confronts David. Nathan comes and challenges David with a word of conviction. And as Nathan brings this word to David and David finds himself now under the conviction of the word and the conviction of God's Holy Spirit. We see also that God sends a word of comfort. The word is sent to bring grace. There are times also when the word is sent to bring comfort to us. We may find ourselves in a challenging situation. We may find ourselves, yes, in a situation where we're over trying to overcome sin. We've confessed it. We've repented of it. And now God sends us a word of grace. That's exactly what David received also. Once Nathan said, David, you're the man. You're the one that's guilty. You're the one that's guilty of sin. We find that David now gets a word of grace. God says that even though you've done things that are deserving of death, I'm going to give you life. When you look at that, that's kind of challenging. When, when, when we know the standard is that they're supposed to die, the standard for committing adultery is that you're supposed to be stoned to death. And yet God tells David, I'm going to give you grace instead.
I'm going to give you life and you're not going to die. You see, David himself became filled with, with this anger and he pronounced the judgment of death upon the person in the story without realizing that it was him. But even now we see that God is granting life. Isn't that something? Isn't that good news too? That God was willing to give us life when we are deserving of death. Now all of us should know what that's like. Because all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory and the standard of God. And once we've sinned and fallen short of the glory and the standard of God, we were deserving of death. In the book of Romans, it tells us that the wages of sin is death. Hallelujah. But the gift of God is eternal life. At this moment, David is experiencing the grace of God. So God sent not only a word to confront, he not only sent a word to convict, but he sent a word to also bring comfort. There were still consequences to David's actions. The child died. David was going to have the sword always against his kingdom. And yes, he said that even one of his own children, one of his own sons, would wind up taking his concubines and, and having his way with them in public eye. There were still consequences to David's actions. So let us not think that we're just going to get out scot-free. There are still consequences to our actions. But there's grace in the midst of those consequences. That's the thing that I, I love about God, that, that God is a merciful God, that, that he is a gracious God. That's why we got to make sure that we're giving God the reverence that he's due. That we got to give God the, 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 the praise that he's due because God is a gracious God. All of us have to admit that we are deserving of a whole lot of things in our life, but none of them is grace. None of them is mercy. But God is gracious towards us. He is merciful towards us. And he grants us that grace and that mercy, even though we're undeserving of it. And as I look at David's story, I've not done some of the things that David has done, but I'm just as guilty of committing sin. I'm just as guilty of not being a repentant one. I'm just as guilty of going on as if nothing has happened. I'm just as guilty of not asking God for forgiveness. And God has to have confronted me with his word. God has had to bring conviction with his word. But I'm so glad and I'm so grateful that even in the midst of that confrontation with the word, even in the midst of that conviction with the word, that God also brought about that compassion. He also brought about that comforting grace into my life. And I know that you've experienced it too. We all have experienced the comfort that the word of God has brought. And when I think about David and I think about all that he had done in his lifetime and, 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 and yes, David was not a perfect man, but God still declared that he was one after his own heart, the grace of God. The comforting word that God gave David, even in the midst of unconfessed sin, even having to be challenged to confess his sins. God gave him grace. God gave him a comforting word, even in the midst of all that he had done. If you think about David and what he'd done, he's caused a marriage to be destroyed. He has been in an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. Yes, he's found himself killing her husband. He's threatened his own army officer that the same can happen to you if you open your mouth. 
David is doing all of this and yet God grants him grace. But again, don't take God's grace for granted. There are still consequences, but God is gracious even in the consequences. And when we think about the word that comes to us, the word that hits us and convicts us, the word that still brings comfort, even when we're wrong, that comfort that we can find in our heavenly father. And when I think about all of this and I, and I think about the book of Judges and I think about the pattern that is displayed in the book of Judges, it's the same pattern from the message today. The children of Israel committed sin. God confronted them about the sin that they were in. He convicted them by a word from the prophet. And as the word came forth and that conviction came forth, God then gave them a word of comfort. At the end, you will always find that God says, I will restore. I'll bring you back. I'll still be your God. No matter what sin they found themselves in, he's confronted them. No matter what sin has been, they felt the conviction, but they've also gotten the word of comfort, the word that comforts them to let them know that God is still on their side. But even when I think about that, I began to look toward the cross. And when I look toward the cross at Calvary, I began to see Jesus Christ. When I look at that cross, it brings about a confrontation because there's a holy and a righteous son named Jesus Christ who died on my behalf. Yes, I was a sinner. I was sinful, but he died on my behalf. He died in my place. And that confronts me day by day. That confronts us. And it lets us know that we have to do something about the confrontation that we've just had with the cross of Jesus Christ. That's when conviction should set in. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit should set in at that moment. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit should overwhelm us at that moment. And we confess in our hearts and in our minds and with our mouths that we are sinners. And that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And when we confess in our minds and our hearts and in our mouths that we are in need of a Savior, that one that we are seeing on the cross, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the one that takes away the sins of the world. We look to him and it brings confrontation. We look to him and it brings conviction. But as I look to him, it also brings comfort. It brings comfort because I know that when he went to that grave, he didn't stay there, but he got up with all power and authority in his hands. And because he got up with all power and authority in his hands, it gives me comfort to know that one day I shall rise. It gives me comfort to know because I put my faith in his son, because I put my faith in Jesus Christ, that I too shall rise up in the presence of God one day, that I too shall rise up with the flesh that is made righteous and holy, that I too shall rise up and be in the presence of the Lord because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. But it started with a confrontation of the word. It started with the convicting power of the word. And then it started when I gave me that comforting word that Jesus Christ would never leave me, forsake me, but he would be with me even until the end. And it gave me that comforting word that all who would believe in him shall be saved. Is when Jesus Christ brings that conviction, that confrontation, and that comfort, we can find ourselves in a right relationship with God. But it comes because God has sent a word. So the next time you hear a word, don't just take it as 
is just a word coming. But pay attention to that word. Listen to that word. God may be sending you a message. God may be trying to get our attention. So hear the word that God is sending. Because it may be the word that needed to confront us. It may be the word that needed to convict us. It may be the word that's needed to give us the comfort. Amen. Maybe someone's here today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We want to give you that opportunity to accept Christ. We want to give you that opportunity to make your home with our Father in heaven. And it starts by admitting that we are sinners. Maybe the word confronted you today and you're now ready to confess because conviction has hit your heart. You've been convicted that you have been living a life of sin. You've been convicted you have broken the laws and the commandments of God. So what do you do about it? I got a comforting word for you. You can accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he can come in and make you righteous. He will come in and establish a relationship with you. Won't you pray this prayer with me? Father God, I come now and I ask God your forgiveness. Your word has confronted me today. And I know that I have lived in a life of sin. I know that I am guilty of sin. But God, I want to be made righteous. I want to be made holy. So I confess now because I feel the convicting power of your Holy Spirit. I confess that I am a sinner and that I've fallen short of your grace and your glory. That I've missed the mark. And I ask you forgive me, God. Forgive me and help me, Lord, to walk in righteousness and holiness. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would come in and fill me, God. Come in, O oh God, and fill me with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. I accept your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and as Savior. And I pray now that by your power, O oh God, you'll help me to follow him, to follow his ways, to follow his examples, to follow his teachings, to follow your word. Father, I bless you. I thank you. I give glory and honor to your name. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, why don't you drop us a line at the email below? That's WesleyOnMain at Yahoo.com. WesleyOnMain at Yahoo.com. We want to hear from you so that we can connect with you. We want to hear from you so that we can help you on your growth process. Why don't you connect with us so that we can become friends and we can become uh, brothers and sisters in Christ? Because you have now accepted us, our Father, and you've now accepted our brother Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. So connect with us at WesleyOnMain at Yahoo.com that we might have a time of fellowship together. Until next time, God bless.